0: Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of August 3rd, 2021. And this is officially episode number 486. And this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons. And we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. And you can also find the official home of the Paranormal News Insider at ParanewsInsider.com. And, of course, you know, it's 2021, so we have social media outlets as well. Facebook and Twitter, pretty much (laughs) that's all I have time for nowadays. Uh, This week, uh, we've got stuff from all over the world, all over the place. Uh, A lot of stuff from uh, every aspect of the paranormal, which is pretty cool. You don't always get that. It seems like one week we're heavy on one thing and uh light on the others but tonight it's pretty evenly distributed so we uh, are gonna have some fun tonight and uh, I can't believe it's already August I don't know what's happened uh, I've been kind of uh, waiting around to do something for the summertime but uh, apparently I've run out of time and one thing I, I forgot to do which I uh, sometimes do I don't always do it uh, it's been kind of a, a pretty weak year, I would say, with the paranormal news. You know, granted, we're trying to get back to normal, whatever normal is anymore. Uh, but uh, generally, I do a mid-season recap either at the end of June or uh, beginning of July. Never really got around to that, but I think part of the reason was it's uh, been a pretty weak year. Only a small handful of stories. Um. Not the worst year I've ever seen, uh, but uh, definitely not one of the best. I mean, we do have a, a few big stories. Obviously, the there's always one, you know, one big one. Well, I should say not always. You know, sometimes it's uh, two or three stories that are pretty decent that uh, kind of fight over that top spot. Uh, but this year, I think the UAP report, uh, that reveal, even though it wasn't um, – the biggest news we were hoping for, I'd, I'd say that's probably one of your bigger stories. You might not remember uh, the thylacine photos. Uh, of course, that's not the first time that's happened. That was a pretty big story, a uh, worldwide story. Um, geez, what else? Uh, the UA, UAP, uh, the missile over New Mexico. Uh, we had the uh, Oklahoma Sasquatch Quest thing where they were offering money. To get uh, Bigfoot, uh, we had the Houston Tiger, uh, that serval on the loose. Uh, you know, then you know we're kind of going downhill at this point. Uh, the Bigfoot river crossing uh, photo and video, uh, cattle mutilations. I remember that story it was a pretty big story here on the show. A lot of people liked that and commented on that. So, man, you know that looks like that might make the top ten. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty slim pickings. Once you get after uh, the first few stories there, and that's generally how it is year to year, but you hope to have those big impactful stories or mass UFO sightings or, uh, you know, my hope is advancement in technology for uh, something like ghost detection or uh, something with consciousness. You know, those types of stories are ones that really interest me the most. Uh, we haven't had anything like that in a while. Uh, no major findings in the cryptid world. Uh, so it's kind of boring. You know, you don't have those giant viral stories like the Area 51 uh, raid from a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, nothing. Uh, you know, I'd almost settle for something annoying like that story was uh, a few years ago. Just to, just to have something to talk about uh, now that the UAP thing is kind of a smoldering. A little bit in the corner, uh, but we'll see. It's uh, only the beginning of August. We got a long way to go. Uh, the cooler months are ahead of us, and we do have we do have Halloween. And there's a little bit of debate going on right now with uh, Halloween. A, a lot of people here are going uh, full force, opening things up since they weren't allowed to last year. I know a lot of haunted house uh, promoters. In the area are saying, well, so far there's no restrictions. So we're going full throttle. And uh, they're going to try to recoup some of their losses from last year. So we'll see uh, how all the uh, the industry does. And if the industry does well, uh, that tends to get people thinking about uh, uh, some of those uh, crazier, zanier stories. We tend to see a little, little bit of an uptick uh, in the fall normally as well. And usually you'll have... I don't know if it's it's just kind of weird when I go back and look historically there's almost like one big story a quarter you know so every 3 months you got a a pretty big story so we'll see we're kind of uh, we're uh, you know 2 months past the uh, well a month and a half past the uh, UAP report so we're due we are due for a big story uh, and I can't wait uh, I'd love to have a, a year where you You have three major or four major stories that you you really want to debate to figure out what's number one. But uh, we'll move forward. Tonight we've got some interesting news. Nothing – I don't think anything that's going to set the paranormal world on fire. But there's some stuff that uh, needs to be talked about that's kind of going viral. Of course, people believe a lot of things that they read, especially on social media without question sometimes. And even if there is a debate, people tend to take sides – And uh, we typically miss information when we do that. But uh, anyway, let's jump into the cryptid segment for tonight. Uh, The eighth official sighting of the Loch Ness Monster. Yes, your favorite cryptid creature here on the show. I know, not really. Uh, But it's interesting because it's uh, probably one of the more consistent ones out there. I don't know if that's good or bad. I I like when things kind of go away for a while and then pop back up. Uh, the uh, Loch Ness Monster has been pretty consistent in sightings for I don't know, the last few years, but uh, we'll kind of talk about that here in a second. Uh, so the 8th official sighting back on July 19th, uh, the sighting occurred when a father and uh, his daughter were hiking around the lock near Fort Augustus. And they stated that a tour boat had passed nearby about 20 minutes prior to them spotting the unidentified movement in the lock so they didn't actually see anything nothing came out of the water and uh splashed or came after them or or roared or anything like that or no they just saw movement in the water and uh it's like a a giant bathtub loch ness you know if you've ever been in a bathtub and you push water to one side it hits the side and reverberates it, it does a lot of weird things especially with the wind it's a, a very long narrow stretch of water and uh reacts very very strange to wind and weather and that's why people see a lot of weird stuff uh, plus you can't really see very far I really want to one of the things i want to do if i can ever go there is just put my hand in the water and just see how far away you you can see your hand i know in lake area it's pretty Pretty dark uh, because of the wind and the stuff that's in it. But this uh, Loch Ness is heavy with the peat. It's uh, pretty hard to see uh, in it at all. So you really can't see if there's fish or anything under the surface. You can't see it from the surface. So um, probably something explainable. But like all the other Loch Ness monster sightings, it's just ambiguous enough that we don't have the answer. We can't disprove it, but we can't prove it either. And that's why... The Loch Ness Monster continues to wow people and continues to be in the news. It's always one of those clickable stories in the United Kingdom that uh, generates a lot of money for them. And the sighting comes just over a month from the last sighting, back on June 2nd, of a a two-second sighting of a creature. Neither of these sightings includes a photograph, even though, yes, we all carry um, very sophisticated cameras in our pockets but uh, it's not always not always that easy to uh you know we're uh, watching something and trying to figure out what it is as well as getting photographic evidence it sounds simple sounds easy until you're in that situation Uh, i've been in that situation a few times and i just kind of laugh because i'm just not able to uh, get a photograph of something i'm seeing or observing um or uh, you know, unless I can mentally process it quick enough and get through it and uh, know what I'm looking at. Uh, so yeah, no physical evidence. Well, at least it's not like the uh, the camera photographs that we've been seeing from the uh, the webcam. Those are really really bad, and I'm not looking forward to when it gets colder out there. That that's all we're going to be seeing. Uh, so yeah, eight sightings so far through July. And last year, there was a total of 13 official sightings. And by official, I mean sightings recorded on the Loch Ness, uh, the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register website at LochnessSightings.com. And that's compiled by Gary Campbell. And you may remember 2019 was a record year. With 18 total sightings, which is the uh, the record number of sightings for the 21st century. And the most since 1983, where there, was, uh, well, there were 21 sightings of 20 different events. And it's not always been that way. I, I thought there was a year where there was no sightings, but I, I didn't see that. Uh, but from 2005 until 2013, there were only 21 total sightings. So some years there was only one, some only two. And I think the highest in that stretch was like five. So, you know, we've had years, but I think we're getting a little bit uh, uh, looser on what we call sightings nowadays because, again, it uh, generates uh, interest. And generates click-throughs. And I'm sure you know people make money off of sightings. Um, Greenwich can't have too many. But you've got to have just enough to uh, continue to keep the interest of the Loch Ness Monster. And, yeah, it's not, again, it's not one of my favorite cryptids. Uh, probably top five. Because, I, I, again, I think it's, it's rather cool how, despite all the evidence against the Loch Ness Monster it continues to be one of the more popular ones, and people still believe in it. Still, people go out there to look for it, uh, even though science has pretty much discarded that and said hey, there's pretty much no possible way anything like that that's unexplainable lives in the lock. Uh, could be uh, a lot of different explanations that uh, just happen to make somebody feel that they see something. You know, from a deer swimming across the water to uh, a log, to uh, wind, to uh, seash, which is uh, the water, moving back and forth, creating a, a ripple. looks like a boat goes through without a boat going through, so people assume that it's a, uh, a creature underneath, but again, you can't see into the water. So it's like a, a perfect blend to keep people believing that something is there, even if— there's nothing there. Uh, and uh, the Loch Ness Monster, even if you were to drain the loch, uh, people will still believe in the, that the creature's there somewhere, somehow. And uh, it's going to live on. It's going to be the longest lasting. You know, you don't hear too much about Chupacabra anymore. It's very rare. Uh, you know, we used to have sightings all over the place. And it was a, a story we talked about probably every other week here on the show. But uh, it's all that disappeared. And Bigfoot has become, well, we'll talk about Bigfoot here in a minute. Bigfoot has become nothing more than a, a viral joke of hoaxed videos. But we'll get into that uh, here in a second. Uh, but our second story of the night takes us to Indiana, the hoocher State. Uh, back on July 6th, way back when. Uh, of the uh, Paranormal News Insider, I had a story where a father and son saw a seven-foot-long alligator in a pond in Maryland. Uh, it's a little far north for where they're supposed to be, uh, although it is along the ocean. And I, I don't know. I still think that it's possible that an alligator got uh, washed out to sea and, and kind of got lost, disoriented, and ended up in that area. It's possible, but uh, probably not Probably just a, an exotic pet dumped in the water like uh, so many of these stories end up being. Uh, the man eventually trapped and unfortunately had to uh, kill the alligator due to the potential public danger. That's a big boy, seven-footer. Uh, that's pretty dangerous. And authorities may have done the same if they would have been able to uh, been on the scene when the alligator was uh, caught on a, a food trap. Uh although again it was trapped so maybe they could have done something but uh, i'm sure in maryland they're not trained on how to capture and subdue a 7 foot thrashing alligator that's a pretty uh, pretty scary business to be honest i've seen i've seen my fair share of 7 plus footers out in the wild and i tell you it's not it's not easy to look eye to eye with those things it's uh, it's pretty scary they are unpredictable. Uh, you can't zigzag your way out of outrunning one of those things. If they decide they want you, they're going to get you. They could run pretty fast uh, for a short period of time. And uh, they can do some incredible things. And uh, once they get a hold of you, good luck. Good luck. Um, so, yeah, they're a little intimidating as far as I'm concerned. I'd rather come across a, a mountain lion than an alligator in the wild if I had to, uh, if I had to choose. Although I've seen plenty of alligators in the wild and never really seen a mountain lion. So maybe maybe I changed my mind. I don't know. Uh, so back on July 25th, a fisherman in a lake about 30 miles northwest of Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, saw what he thought was an alligator. Pretty sure it was an alligator. Uh, now, Fort Wayne, if you're not familiar with uh, Indiana geography, uh, Indiana uh, I should say Fort Wayne is in the northeastern area of the state. And this being 30 miles northwest, so it would be kind of, eh, not towards Chicago, but in that general direction. Um, probably right in the middle of the state of Indiana. Um, the man contacted the Indiana Department of Natural Resources, who sent an officer on Sunday to uh, to the area. And were not able to find it, of course, because again, they're not trained to find alligators. It's not their not their thing. Um, on Monday, a second officer was also sent to the scene, but also again could not locate the alligator. Uh, the man then went back at night. I don't know. It seems like these guys are pretty smart. They could figure these things out, and they figured out uh, he figured out how to catch it. So I, I don't know what, exactly what he did. Um, but, uh, strung up some food and was able, able to, uh, capture the alligator and, uh, very similar to the Maryland story. Unfortunately, he, uh, put it down. Um, not a popular thing to, uh, a lot of people, but unfortunately that's what, um, that's what happens. A lot of these stories is, uh, the alligators are, are dispatched because, again, uh, these uh, places aren't able to, to, to do anything with the Indiana Department of Natural Resources. I, I haven't heard of too many Indiana stories, a lot of Illinois stories. So I mentioned Chicago, a lot of Chicago alligator sightings. Uh, they're probably uh, they actually have herpetologists in the area that are set up for that. They see a lot of them. Uh, but Indiana, I don't really see a whole lot of stories. On alligators. Um, So he was. uh, He used a treble hook. And a net. It's got to be a big net. Uh, He told. uh, W A N E TV. Out of Fort Wayne. uh, The alligator measured just over five feet. And the five foot mark. Is kind of where they become dangerous. Uh, An alligator once it hits about five feet. Is a danger. uh, Definitely to children and animals. Uh, Even a smaller one. About three foot can. Can kill a, a small dog, small to medium dog, but a five-footer, uh, pretty much any dog, is in danger. And I don't know what it is with dogs and alligators; they seem to want to get really close to them. Uh, some some animals are intimidated by dogs, but uh, not alligators. Nope, uh, they like to chew on dogs. Um, uh, but yeah, once you hit five foot, that's that's the mark of. That's when they become a danger and a nuisance if they're out in the wild. Uh, and the big problem with Indiana is—it's again, I haven't heard too many stories. I've kind of looked up some stuff. Um, pretty rare, at least in this part of the state, to see these stories. I've seen a few down south, uh, south of uh, Indianapolis, uh, more towards the southern border of Indiana. But what makes it weird? Uh, probably the, the bigger problem here is that it's not illegal to own an alligator without a permit as long as it's under five feet long. So my guess is the owner uh, realized this or had uh, an awareness of this and probably goes along with the fact that they couldn't care for it anymore. Because once you get they get kind of that big, you can't put them in the bathtub anymore and they don't really fit in the kid tub or the kid uh, plastic uh, little pools anymore, and they get kind of hard to uh, to take care of, hard to, to wrestle or, or to keep uh, doing what you want it to do. It starts to get pretty independent once it gets to that size. Uh, the owner probably, uh, again, couldn't care for it, and they realized that they had to have uh, documentation. Uh, you have to obtain a permit, which means a visitation, uh, meaning you have to uh, display that you can properly care for the animal. So they probably just uh, said, hey, you know what? He'll be good out in this pond. Uh, nobody has uh, been hurt from what I can read about uh, dumped alligators. Uh, but these stories are very concerning. Uh, there's at least one a month uh, during the warmer months in the in the northern part of the United States that I've seen. And I'm sure there's a lot that I uh, have not stumbled across or not been able to, to find or haven't popped up in my news feeds. And... I'm sure there's a lot to go unreported or just don't make stories uh, because of other things going on in, in a lot of these communities that uh, it's bigger news or, you know, people don't talk about it. The um, Department of Natural Resources may come out and just uh, take care of it and nobody hears about it. Um, depends on how it's reported. You know, if nobody says anything to the media, the media is never going to know. Uh, so I'm sure there's a lot more alligators creeping through the water that uh, may go undiscovered as well uh, before succumbing to the colder temperatures in the fall and the winter. So, uh, yeah, alligators are actually pretty fast on land. They can hit sprint speeds above up to 20 miles an hour. And that's a lot of weight coming at you. And they're pretty low. And uh, they can actually climb a tree to a certain extent. So don't try that either. And most trees in swampy areas... Uh, are not that tall and branch out pretty far. I've seen alligators actually up in trees. Um, it's not normal for them to do, but if they really want to do it, they'll do it. They don't really use a lot of energy to do anything, so you might be lucky. Uh, if you do run through a parking lot, you might have an advantage. Uh, but the whole zigzag thing, don't bother. Uh, they could, they'll match you. And alligators are smart, they're just going a straight line they really can't do that curvy, curvy stuff. So they'll go in a straight line. When you're making all these curves, they'll eventually catch you. And good luck. Uh, But the further away from water you get, you're good. You get about 30, 20, 30 feet away from the water, uh, you should be all right. Because they're going to stop. They're going to retreat. But again, not something I want to mess with. Uh, I'm pretty afraid of those guys. You know, I, I give them the respect that they deserve for being around as long as they have. But, uh, yeah, it's just aggravating to, to continue to read about these stories in and, and states like Indiana that don't want to do anything uh, unless they're five feet long. I mean, that's that's a lot of potential alligators. You know, people go to a, a hobby store or uh, order them online, which is a big thing nowadays as well. Uh, you know, and uh, caimans and the baby crocodiles and all that stuff uh, are, are also bought online. Uh, we've only had one. We well, only had one crocodile story in the last few years. It was actually here in Ohio. It was a giant crocodile. Uh, I think it was nine feet long. It was in a creek where kids were swimming. That was a pretty scary one. But uh, yeah, they uh, unfortunately had to put that one down as well. So you never know. I mean, you may live in uh, Indiana, Ohio, Missouri, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, anywhere in the Northeast. And you never think you're going to see one of these things. Uh, but think again. They're out there, and uh, I look forward to maybe one day seeing one. Hopefully not. Uh, I've seen enough in Florida to keep me uh, to keep me happy for a while. But uh, that's okay. So let's go to Bigfoot news for the week. We got a couple of uh, stories. One kind of uh, well. Cutesy and another not so cutesy I'll just put it to you that way So uh, not a whole lot of news on the Bigfoot front for 2021 That uh, are really great stories I don't know how else to put that Just uh, They're just kind of there They're just kind of Bigfoot stories Other than the uh, story out of Oklahoma uh, Earlier this year about a, a bounty Was it up to $3 million If you can capture a Bigfoot safely capture an eight foot pound, or eight foot 500 pound creature without anybody getting hurt good luck um, but uh, another Bigfoot story out of Oklahoma this week involves a bigfoot peeking into somebody's house well, that sounds scary uh, the scene was in Hochatown Oklahoma and kids were gathered for a six-year-old's birthday party when suddenly the kids began screaming they saw it was a bigfoot peeking into the house that sounds scary uh but the bigfoot was wearing a blue bow and a blue tutu and was also carrying balloons Uh, but the kids didn't care they were freaking out Uh, this was a a viral video i think it was on tiktok of course and um the poor kids i I really felt bad Uh, it's funny to the adults but obviously this is pretty scarring for these kids that are probably going to hate Uh, They're not going to be eating beef jerky for a while. Let's just put it to you that way. Uh, They were pretty freaked out by the whole scene. Uh, The parents had initially thought it was a great idea to invite a person dressed in a Bigfoot costume to the birthday party for a six-year-old kid. Uh, But, you know, thinking back, I think it's probably better than a clown. I mean, clowns are outdated. Clowns are scary. A lot of people are... You know, maybe that's where that comes from. A lot of people are scared of clowns. Maybe it's because of these birthday parties. Now, maybe we've ruined it for kids with Bigfoot now. Um, But uh, the good news is that after coming into the house and seeing the adults mingling with Bigfoot, the kids kind of slowly came around and they posed with some pictures with Bigfoot. So it looks like all was good, but they got their viral video of... uh, Bigfoot with the kids, and they got them crying and freaking out. Which you know, that's I don't know if that's good or not. Uh, but uh, yeah, they got their 15 minutes. Uh, so I'm seeing some some stuff. People are talking, still talking in the chat room about the uh, crocodiles and alligators and hippos and stuff. So hippos, interestingly, I didn't know this until a few years ago. So hippos are multiplying. In South America and Mexico, uh, because they've been brought there by certain people of ill repute. Uh, Actually, I think Mexico is where they're really out of control. And there's some talk about whether or not uh, they continue to move northward. So there's a chance, an outside chance, that hippos might make their way to the United States someday. That would not be good. Uh, Those are some pretty dangerous creatures. I think water buffalo are the worst, uh, but hippos, yeah, not something you want to mess with in, uh, you know, three to, three to eight feet of water. It's, they're very deadly, very dangerous. Um, but I know uh, Mexican drug cartels uh, have the use of hippos to protect their property, and uh, they're very effective at that, and as long as you feed them— They'll stick around, Uh, but once those cartels are cleared out, uh, those hippos kind of get bored, and they start looking around. And, you know, luckily there's a giant desert between us and uh, those parts of Mexico where those hippos are at. But uh, it's pretty scary to think about if we were to have that. We've got a lot of other creatures that are dumped into the uh, swamps of Florida, and uh, even down in uh, I'm trying to think of what the... Oh, Nutria. Down in uh, Louisiana and uh, Alabama and Texas. Those things are really giant rats. and They're really gross. And they pretty much let you kill them. You just shoot them on the roadside. Uh, they just multiply like rabbits. Very scary creatures too. So, yeah, we're being invaded. All these weird creatures. Um, and uh, hippos, yeah. If they ever get a foothold... That's not good. Um, so, Bigfoot Part Two. Keep getting distracted here, but uh, Bigfoot Part Two, the second story, uh, a little bit more of a serious note versus a, a kid's birthday party. Uh, this is one uh, one of those stories that uh, kind of irritates me as well. It's been a a viral photo. You might have seen this on Facebook. Uh, it's a series of a few. I think it's like three pictures. Uh, Put together, it's a story circulating that states that Bigfoot photos have been validated by Virginia authorities. Whatever that means, I'm not really sure how you validate a photo. Uh, A post circulating on Facebook and other social media sites states that a man had a close encounter with a Bigfoot and took some amazing photos during that encounter. Uh, Basically just a a dark, dark uh, bipedal Thing walking through the woods And it's uh, You know I've mentioned it before You know we've had that Patterson Gimlin film And that's become the, uh, the Kind of the trademark Of Bigfoot sightings If, if you're not, if you're not uh, Copying that then it's not really A Bigfoot sighting so every video Every photo is like a, a Bigfoot Kind of creature walking sideways At a distance It just gets so tiresome um, And we all have zooms on cameras and things but we never just seem to use them and it's funny the only technology that ever makes it out in the woods is just horrible and blurry potato cameras um, so yeah it's uh, this post is uh, circulating on Facebook uh, mostly Facebook because let's face it people are really gullible on Facebook uh, versus other social media outlets and um, and again, purportedly validated by the Henry County Sheriff's Department, and it also says the finding Bigfoot team was uh, deployed. I didn't know they were like on call. Uh, so yeah, I guess uh, when you see a Bigfoot, you take a picture. The sheriff's county validates it. You can just send in the uh, send in the crew, and uh, they'll uh, they'll go and find it for you, I, I suppose. Uh, Where's this guy at? Oh, there it is. Throw that in the chat room. So I got a, a picture of that um, screen cap, I guess, of the uh, the post. So here it is. Somebody sharing that. Um, those three pictures. Pretty ambiguous. Just a, a dark creature. But there's a there's a backstory, of course. There's a backstory. Uh, Captain Scott Barker who's actually with the Henry County Virginia Sheriff's Office, confirmed to Lead Stories that uh, Lead Stories is kind of a a fact-checking website that uh, digs into these things uh, using a lot of valuable resources to confirm or deny these stories. Um, So Scott Barker uh, confirmed that the department had not been given or verified the images, nor have they had actual reports of Bigfoot in the county That were directed to them. Personally. And a little bit of research. Not hard. uh, Takes you to the fact. That these photos have been posted. To social media. As far back as 2013. And they've been used. At least once since that I've seen. I recognized them right away. When I saw this. uh, The uh, share on one of the. One of the many Bigfoot sites. That I follow. Uh, That person was pretty much blasted out of the water after you know 10 or 15 people saying oh wow great pictures those are the best pictures of bigfoot ever i've never seen anything so great and then you know 12 comments down is like the veteran people just totally blasting them for stop posting hoaxes and blah 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 and here's the facts and information and like okay you guys beat me to the punch uh so originally back in 2013 uh this was purportedly out of uh, Kimberling City, Missouri, and the person that posted them pretty much disappeared without answering any questions about them. Uh, it was pretty torn apart at the time. Uh, the The photos were a little bit better quality back then. It looks like they they've really been cropped and blurred, and they look older now than what they were uh, when it first came out. You could see better quality images, and I think they were dummy down on purpose because uh, it didn't take too long. Uh, anybody with any basic software could blow the picture up and look at it and see that it was just somebody in a gorilla costume. So it really wasn't a, a very deep mystery uh, to see what was going on there. But it was just something to get attention. of as a viral thing. And unfortunately, anytime anything like that works, uh, I think people actually just spend time going through old posts. On a lot of these uh, these websites, and uh, <laughs> they just pull these uh, out of the uh, out of the dumpster, and just uh, kind of brush them off, and uh, just uh, try to use them again to get attention or whatever to fool people. I guess and, you know that's the sad thing. That's what frustrates me about the bigfoot aspect of cryptozoology. To me, I think. You know, Loch Ness Monster is pretty tied into basic cryptozoology, uh, but when you ta- start talking about Bigfoot, there's so many different aspects about it. Uh, you know, they're, these are flesh and blood creatures, or these are aliens, or these are uh, interdimensional creatures, and there's, there's you know, on every continent, and there's all these debates about different things. It's almost like it's its own separate Aspect of cryptozoology to me. And I really think it should be. Uh, it shouldn't be cryptozoology that studies. I think there should be a separate segment. And I, I think it should be called Bigfootery. And it should just be. Its own thing. Just just kind of go away. Because it's it's really taken a life on a, of its own. And people are. Uh, just. The only things you really get out of it anymore. Are people hoaxing photographs and videos. It's just. And it's unfortunately that's the culture of it hey can you create take a you know take an old sweatshirt, an old hoodie and go out in the woods and I'll, I'll film you and we'll see if we can fool some people. It's pretty much what it's become and it's it's pretty sad it's pretty sad. Uh, as far as Bigfoot websites to follow um, I mean, Probably the best website would be BFRO.net, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. It was actually probably the last two days I've been reading some reports. There's uh, been some reports here in Ohio, uh, other reports. So it's kind of like if, uh, let's say, the the MUFON website were to to be uh, updated a little bit better, it would be kind of like that. But you get uh, up-to-the-date sightings, and it's categorized by area. And so you can actually follow along with uh, these uh, sightings, but they're actually researched by local researchers. So I guess it is kind of like MUFON, but uh, the unfortunate thing is, is you're just looking at, you know, people that see things or report things. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, uh, but it's far better than uh, most of the, um, let's say, Facebook Bigfoot uh, pages that I follow uh, that just seem to be filled with more misinformation and hoaxes and wishful thinking, uh, than than uh, you know, maybe there's a lot of misidentification of the BFR reports, but, um, you know, at least there's a little bit of vetting going on there versus, uh, you know, people who are just trying to get the most page likes and post likes. It's just a game. Uh, so off to UFO news we go. Let's pack our bags and we're going to head out from, uh, gosh, where were we just at? Virginia? Yeah, we're in Virginia. So now we're going to go to Turkey. Not that Turkey, but the country of Turkey. So uh, there was a little bit of panic in Turkey. Uh, sometimes this happens. Uh, there was a uh, bright flash in the sky that was seen. uh probably not so much by people, but on cameras. Uh, around 2 a.m. on July 31st, and the events happened uh, in the skies over the city of Izmir uh, along the Aegean Sea. Now, video of the bright flash and eerie green glow created a lot of speculation. Of course, uh, like I said, as a lot of these stories do, uh, people will claim that it's it's uh, UFOs or it's other things, satellites crashing or uh, whatever. Just the speculation runs rampant. And people create panic because they don't understand what they're looking at. And uh, apparently people could hear the, uh, the object enter the atmosphere, which is pretty rare to hear a sonic boom uh, associated with um, – because most meteors are pretty small. and You're really not going to get anything. I don't think this one was that big, uh, but people do claim that they heard it. I don't know if that's true. Um, but one person on Twitter added explosion sounds to one of the popular short videos that was captured on a closed circuit, on a closed-circuit camera. So kind of to fool people a little bit, I think. Uh, that person uh, quoted – said a green hashtag meteor was seen over hashtag Izmir, hashtag Turkey. Uh, it's this is not a meteor, just a tiny demo missile bomb shot from satellite. Notice the fire as meteor enters Earth's atmosphere. Unquote. So it's kind of weird. Uh, there's kind of a uh, a weird sandwich of saying meteor, then saying not meteor, then saying meteor. It's weird. Uh, so yeah, it was a meteor, and uh, meteors do. When they hit the atmosphere, the friction does create uh, basically a tiny explosion. I mean, it's um, scrubbing off speed. It's 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 uh, hitting air. It's hitting the atmosphere, and it's uh, basically just exploding. So yeah, of course, it looks like a fire uh, because it is a fire, pretty much. And you'll get the green glow or other colors uh, because of the mineral content. It burns. Differently in the atmosphere. Um, and green is a pretty pretty normal color to see. And uh, that pretty much tells you what you're seeing is a meteor from the, the uh, metallic content. So just a meteor. I don't know what the speculation was. People trying to create more drama than what was uh, already happening. It's a pretty scary thing. If you've ever seen a, a bright one, uh, I've been fortunate to see uh, a few. Um, bright green ones that, that last more than, like, you know, more than that instant, that, like, millisecond that most meteorites, you, you see it, it's just a flash and it's gone. Uh, I've seen some that lasted uh, pretty much almost, almost up to 10 seconds long that you see the stream falling. And it's kind of scary if you don't know what you're looking at. Uh, actually, Indiana, I was in, uh, out in the middle of nowhere in Indiana as a passenger. And I watched one. And so it was pretty cool to see that. Um, So, yeah, bright flash of the sky. It was a meteor. That's all. That's it. I know it sounds boring. Uh, And this happens a lot. Uh, There was a a few uh, meteor sightings recently here in the United States. But they were, you know, not too many people jumped to conclusions. It was pretty straightforward, pretty cut and dry what they were. Ah, uh, yeah. So, despite a lot of speculation of a UFO or satellite crash, it turned out to be a little more mundane, and it was uh, just a your run-of-the-mill, ordinary meteor. And while it was very bright, uh, it's considered it could be possibly part of the Perseid meteor shower, which is pretty rare to see. Uh, they don't really produce a lot of large. Meteor sightings with the Perseids, but it's possible uh, the Perseid meteor shower kind of right in the middle of that. Well, toward the end of it, I guess, uh, takes place in late July, early August. So yeah, I guess we're probably past the peak at this point, and it was probably right around that point when it's probably at the peak when that happened. So yeah, it's possible that's what they saw, uh, but the video is pretty pretty startling. It's a, it's a pretty bright flash, and I don't know they just uh, people think it's a UFO crashing because you know uh, you build this technology of a uh, you know intelligent civilization creates a, a craft that can fly through space dodging uh, you know random rocks floating through space and uh, gravities and, and different things but you know it hurts, hits a little atmosphere of a you know medium-sized planet it can't handle it. it just blows up It's kind of funny, Um, but yeah, we get a lot of those stories. So, speaking of UFOs, you know, we've uh, talked about the the dust is kind of settling here on the UAP report. It's kind of cooled off. That story's kind of just it's kind of there. We're kind of waiting for the next big thing to come out about this or another released video. There's claims of uh, other. Uh, other videos of some of these sightings. So, well, we'll wait. You know, it's going to leak eventually because I don't think the government knows what they're doing with that stuff. I think they, they trust the general public really to uh, come up with conclusions better than what they can. So, uh, you know, a lot of experts in various fields have uh, been given their opinions about the lackluster evidence obtained during the UAP reports. And the questions have lingered. What do we do? What do we do the next time it happens? You know, how do we separate these UAP reports, these 143 unexplained reports, from the next one that, that hits? Um, I mean, are we just going to sit around and hopefully uh, catch the next weird thing on video and leak it out to the public? So there could be uh, some public debate? Concern again. I think it's pretty much it's all about money. I think they want funding for something, and probably to fund our own projects, uh, or maybe, maybe, that uh, we have this technology, and maybe it'd be a little controversial to have uh, basically spy craft that are beyond our our typical drones that we have, and we're just kind of covering up. The fact that we've developed this stuff. And we're going to say. Hey this is technology. We're going to deploy on them. So it'll make it softer. For the, the general public. To, uh, to chew on. Or to swallow. The blue pill. Uh, Avi Loeb. Of Harvard University. Is a cosmologist. And astrophysicist. Who's gained uh, pretty much national attention. When he suggested that the interstellar object. Umamua I never say that right, Ummamua should be listened to with a radio telescope. Pretty much thought this was the craziest thing I'd ever hear from an actual scientist. A pretty uh, respected scientist in various fields was suggesting that uh, Oumuamua was an alien object. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people were standing up and clapping from the uh, UFO field and thought that that was wonderful. I just thought it was weird. Uh, but that was kind of the beginning of when scientists, uh, mainstream scientists, started to take this stuff seriously. And he thought that uh, should be listened to with radio telescopes such as the Green Bank Telescope located in uh, West Virginia – he suggested the strange, elongated, cigar-like object might actually be a solar sail of an extraterrestrial technological civilization. So a solar sail pulling along another craft, or just, a, just an object that is a solar sail flying through space, uh, flew through our solar system, the first interstellar object. That we've observed, or at least known, that was an interstellar object. Uh, he went on to publish a book called Extraterrestrial, The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth. It came out earlier this year, I think late January, on the Oumamua object. Uh, he's also a member of the rather exclusive President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology that reports... Uh, To the president of the United States. I don't know what's going on with that now. I know. uh, uh, President Trump brought that back. But I haven't heard anything lately. About that. But it's a pretty small. It's less than 20 people that are involved in that. At any point in time. So that's a pretty exclusive club. uh, To be a part of. Uh, With these uh, unidentified aerial phenomena reports. Reports. Uh, he states we're getting unreliable witness information along with technology that is just as unreliable at, at identifying things beyond what they're capable of doing. Uh, so when you're relying on witness reports, you know, it's one thing to be in a courtroom where the witness statement uh, can put away a murderer for life or set them free. Uh, unfortunately, when you're talking about science, you know, we don't take the witness testimony as the main piece. We rely on observation and repeatability to, uh, to, to dictate what, uh, what we're seeing, what we're identifying. We, we don't have that in the UFO field. We don't have that really in any of the paranormal fields. Uh, some of us have tried to do that with various aspects. Um, So then you add the technology piece to it, which is, it's kind of rough because a lot of people think, well, hey, you know, here's these things. These infrared cameras are capturing these objects. They're doing things they shouldn't do. They're unidentified aerial phenomena or UFOs. They're unidentified flying objects, cut and dry, right? Well, again, uh, the first few times that these things were uh, delivered to the general public, it kind of came out that uh, the operators of said equipment – uh, we're new to that equipment. They didn't understand the equipment, and the infrared equipment was seeing things that it's wasn't really technically designed to track, and it can't differentiate a bird from a missile, and you can't really judge speed when you're swinging a camera around and the plane is moving, and you have all these things going on at the same time. It's just it's just a tool in the tool bag. It's not. scientific instrument. It's just something that helps us see things that are pretty difficult to see with the human eye. Um, So there's a lot of issues with UAP reports and it's not going to get any better moving forward unless we do something different. But what can we do? So uh, Loeb has suggested a three-pronged approach to help get to the bottom of the UAP situation. So I read about this and uh, was on the – he writes for Scientific American uh, quite a bit. But this also was on uh, the Harvard website as well. So it's a pretty big thing here uh, that he's trying to come up with. Uh, so the three-pronged approach kind of suggests, you know, we just can't sit around and wait. We can't just hope that something's going to come on video again and maybe – We'll be able to capture something or we'll be able to uh, shoot this down or, or whatever the case is. Well, there's got to be a better way of collecting data from various aspects. And, you know, also it's been suggested that it's pretty obvious. I would think that uh, there are many different explanations at hand with these reports. So it's not just, wow, that was a balloon. So, you know, we check one off. Maybe there's a few other balloons, but what about the other ones? They've got to be aliens, right? Well, no, there's um, some of these are more than likely uh, jet aircraft at a distance or at a a certain angle. Some of these could be reflections, um, you know, faulty systems. uh, You know, all sorts of explanations exist for the potential of some of these observations. So how do we how do we prevent misidentification? How do we how do we identify? Let's not prevent. Let's just get out there and find this stuff. How do we do that? So, the first of what Loeb calls the Galileo project, which is the fancy schmancy name for this uh, three pronged approach of uh, discovering what UAPs are, or if there are any at all, really from the way I'm reading this, uh, centers on the first part, centers on the use of a multi detector of capturing images of UAPs. So, this is pretty much at ground level um you know looking for in our atmosphere uaps Uh, so the goal would be to create a network of high resolution telescopes and detectors uh, a various array of detectors to help capture detailed images of these objects so the use of multi-wavelength detector arrays would include uh, technology like radar and infrared technologies and uh, among other things uh, to kind of pair it all together to be able to identify strange things or things that uh, aren't known objects that we can, once we detect it, we can photograph it with these high resolution telescopes. So we can see if there is a you know, little flag on the object or made in such and such country, little label on there, uh, but also be able to maybe figure out what some of these things are. And if we figure out that there's you know, certain things going on, then maybe we, we fix those certain things so that it becomes less and less of a surprise and we can narrow, di- narrow things down. Or maybe we just strike gold with one of these things. And we do, do discover a real-life UAP. That's uh, alien controlled. Um, I mean, we have to, we have to kind of think that Uh, Using the uh, multi-wavelength detector, Uh, we kind of have to think that way because you'd have to think that an extraterrestrial technological civilization probably mastered technologies of stealth and detection. And radar would be something very elementary to it. Uh, And they probably want to keep their stuff uh, maybe undetectable. Maybe it's undetectable just by design, not on purpose. Maybe that's just how it is because, you know, it's zipping around in a strange atmosphere, an alien atmosphere that they barely know anything about. So maybe that's just how it is. Uh, The second piece to keep an eye out away from, uh, keep an eye out away from earth and conduct an in-depth research on Oumamua like interstellar objects. So uh, the other thing, obviously in our atmosphere, but also what's out there in space So by tracking these objects, we could be able to detect potential objects long before they get to Earth and be able to study them before they're able to blend in into the Earth's atmosphere. So I think it's a smart approach. I mean, hey, if they're here, how do they get here? So if we can intercept them before they get here and kind of disappear into the woodwork, maybe disguise themselves as as weather balloons, maybe we can see them. Uh, The third-prong approach is to search for potential satellites that could be as small as one meter or less exploring Earth. Again, a variation of technology would be deployed to be able to detect intelligent craft in the atmosphere above. So uh, we're looking at out there, around us, and uh, within us, basically. A three-prong approach. uh, It's pretty, pretty thorough. That sounds like a good idea. At uh, discovering repeatable and ongoing studies of potential anomalous objects is at least to get rid of some potential you know uh, misidentification of some of these things that I think is really going on a lot more than what they're admitting uh, and it's it's uh, much better than collecting a little bit of evidence and a statement and debating it later on and we'll keep an eye on the Galileo project to see if it gains any steam at Harvard or Within the government sector, within the next few months, you know, maybe all this stuff, this report was uh, funding for something like this. I don't know. Maybe here it is. And we'll see if it gets deployed in the next few months. So, that being said, we got one more story, one last story. And it's in the ghost arena. And it's not really the type of story that I love to talk about. It's, um, Unfortunately, one that we talk about a lot, that uh, kind of wish we wouldn't have to, but uh, officers and emergency crews were summoned to the Central Terminal's train station in Buffalo, New York, just after 10.30 p.m. on Saturday, July 31st. A 35-year-old woman was treated for injuries sustained in a fall of about 20 feet. And the biggest problem obviously with the injury, is that the central terminal was closed to the public back in 1979. Uh, The terminal was built in 1929 and was one of the busiest train stations for about 50 years before shutting down. The pair claimed to have been ghost hunting just prior to the woman's fall. Uh, The building has been featured on Ghost Hunters in the past, the TV show Ghost Hunters. Uh, during a, uh, I don't remember that But I apparently it was on a six hour live event I didn't verify that um, But I'm sure it's true It's a pretty big building uh, If you look at it on Google Earth It's it's huge And uh, I guess it's uh, attracted A lot of trespassers in the past I've dug up some Probably at least a dozen stories Of people being chased out of that building Or being caught or uh, people doing viral stuff on YouTube and, and different places that were inside of that building without permission. And it's probably going to be, be uh, continuing to do so. It's probably one of the most unique attractions to ghost hunters in the Buffalo area. I mean, there's a lot of stuff around there. Uh, across the, uh, you know, you go across the river there in Canada. There's a lot of stuff on the other side there. Uh, but uh, pretty unique Never been in a train station to to uh, ghost hunt before, or ghost investigate, but it sounds pretty cool. Uh, authorities state the pair were in the area without permission, but uh, charges have yet to be filed. I don't know what they're waiting for. Uh, that's only going to tell people it's okay to trespass and uh, go on in there. Uh, apparently, it's it's. Uh, I didn't see any signs on Google Earth, but it sometimes it's hard to see stuff because everything's blurred out. Uh, but it doesn't look like it's that. Difficult to get there. It looks like people were driving right up to the building. I mean, if the Google camera truck can just drive right up to it, then I'm sure anybody else can as well. So maybe they need to do a better job of keeping people away from it. The giant parking lot there. Um, And we'll see. Maybe uh, the woman will seek legal action against the city. Hey, maybe you should have had that boarded up. So I couldn't get in there. Or whoever owns the building. Um, But, yeah, we'll probably see a lot more of these as we get toward uh, Halloween. Uh, People wanting to get out, people wanting to explore a little bit more, who have been shut in a lot over the last year and a half. But don't do it. It's not worth it. Uh, I can't imagine, well, I mean, I'm a little older than 35, but uh, 35 years old, falling 20 feet, that's uh, probably not going to feel too good. And uh, you don't know what you're going to land on. And you're not sure if you're going to be able to get help. That's probably not the best area to get hurt either, looking at the neighborhood. So, yeah, be careful out there. Get permission. And if you can't get permission, uh, somebody else has already done it. Watch it on YouTube. I mean, everybody's got a flashlight. So obviously they weren't, I mean, they were ghost hunting. They weren't doing an investigation. They were just probably, uh, they probably just trespassed and wanted to see it because they saw it on TV. So they probably didn't have any equipment. Probably were just in the area and just probably said, hey, there's that place. Let's go there. Didn't have any equipment at all. Probably not even a flashlight. Uh, These places can be dangerous. And I've been into a lot of old buildings in the last 20 plus years. And, uh, yeah, people just take chances that they shouldn't. They walk places that they shouldn't. And I've seen some potentially very dangerous places And if you can't go in there, don't go in there. It's not worth it. You don't know what could fall. You don't know where you could fall. And uh, they're lucky to get out, pretty much. Well, we'll see. But uh, with that, I bid you adieu for the week. And I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. Above all else, don't stop believing. And thanks for tuning in tonight. I do appreciate it. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.